Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's Insight Assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. All right, I, I think we are live, ladies and gentlemen. It has been a chaotic and hectic road to get to this show right here. UFC Vegas 67 is in the books. Sean Strickland Gets the job done on short notice against Nasruddin Imavov. First event for 2023 for the Ultimate Fighting Championship is now a thing of the past. And I would love to just come on here and talk about just the gusto of Sean Strickland and what he did tonight against a very game Nasruddin Imavov. But we just can't right now because we have breaking news. And a lot of it, ladies and gentlemen. A lot of it because chaos has reigned supreme in 2023. Why wouldn't the first post-fight show be chaotic as well? And if you guys already heard this diatribe, I apologize. <laughs> but if you haven't, <laughs> you're going to hear it. Even if you did, you're going to kind of hear it again. So uh, you may be aware of this, but for those who just jumped on here and you're like, what happened in the world of MMA today? Right around 4 p.m. Eastern, Casey and I are doing the People's Pre-Fight Show, and we see an image and some videos Outside T-Mobile Arena, and there's a billboard, there you see it right there, promoting John Jones versus Cyril Ghosn for the World Heavyweight Championship at UFC 285 on March 4th. And that sent the MMA community into a frenzy. And we had seen other reports that the fight has been finalized, which by all accounts was not true, was not 100% done yet. It was kind of the front runner heading in the right direction. Didn't get announced during the broadcast, so people were wondering what the hell is going on. Dana White goes up, sits down at the press conference, and reveals that that is in fact true. John Jones versus Cyril Gaon will fight March 4th in the main event of UFC 285, and it will be for the vacant heavyweight championship of the world. And you may be thinking to yourself, self, what happened to Francis Ngannou? Isn't he the champion? The answer to that question is, is no. Dana White also revealed that Francis Ngannou is stripped of the title, no longer the UFC heavyweight champion, and in fact, he is no longer 
a UFC heavyweight. He is free and clear. He can sign with anybody he wants. There's no match period. There's nothing like that. He can literally sign with Bellator PFL 1. He can go box Tyson Fury tomorrow if he wants to. He is gone from the UFC. And on March 4th, we will have a brand new UFC heavyweight champion. It'll either be the returning John Jones, who by the time he steps inside the cage, it'll be th- over three years since he defeated Dominic Reyes. And he will fight Cyril Gaon for the chance to become a champion in two different divisions. Holy cow, this wouldn't be 2023 without just absolute craziness. Anyways, I am Mike Eck, and joining me to react to all of this chaos, somewhat for the second time, is my main man, Sheena <laughs> Shani. Hey, I mean, listen, if we can't have fun with chaos, what good are we at the end of the day? But Sean, again, and if people already heard this, I'm just going to throw it at you again. Sure. I mean, just a multitude of massive news to react to. And that, not to mention that Leon Edwards versus Kamara Usman, the trilogy fight is official for London. He announced that. We already confirmed that Justin Gaethje versus Rafael Fazeev is also official for London. But this news is absolutely bananas. John Jones versus Cyril Gunn, massive fight, super fascinating. This is a huge deal. But what's the bigger takeaway for you? The fact that John Jones is fighting and he's fighting Cyril Gunn and not Francis Ngannou or that France Ngannou isn't fighting anybody in the UFC anymore because he is gone. Yeah, Mike, it wouldn't be 2023 if we didn't have some kind of chaos. And now we've just had layers upon layers upon layers of chaos. So apologies to everyone uh, if you've already seen us do these first five minutes. Uh, Our streams got a little cross there. Apologies again, technical difficulties. But yeah, Mike, I mean, the answer to me, at least in this immediate, you know, trying to process everything as it's happening... It's Francis Ngannou not being in the heavy in the in the UFC heavyweight division anymore, right? Like him being a free agent is so unprecedented, just on on levels upon which we like. It's just crazy to think that the baddest man in the world, the UFC heavyweight champion, basically just picked up the belt, walked home, and is now on the open market testing his wares. And the number one heavyweight in the world is just not going to be in the UFC anymore. That is a very bizarre place to be. We haven't been in that place uh, in a long, long time, not since Fedor was demolishing people out there in Japan, has the number one heavyweight in the world not been under the UFC umbrella. So to me, I mean, it's definitely, that's the biggest takeaway right now, right? Because the UFC had this guy, this homegrown guy, Francis Ngannou, an all-time fumbling of what should have been a transcendent superstar for them. You you draw up a heavyweight to be your heavyweight champion. He looks like Francis Ngannou. He acts like Francis Ngannou. He, and he fights like Francis Ngannou. He has the death touch like that man. They had this man right here, and then they this relationship was allowed to fester and reach a point where Dana White says tonight that the, the UFC offered Francis the, a deal that would have made him the highest paid heavyweight in the history of the promotion, which, you know, what does that exactly mean? We we don't know. But either way, the fact that Francis turned it down, we heard this from the beginning of last year, from really since the gone fight, the Cyril gone fight, with everything Francis has been saying, that this is about respect for him now. This was no longer about money, that this was about respect. The fact that this relationship was allowed to fester to the point where Francis turned down that sort of money and that sort of opportunity – is just immensely disappointing and sad to me because the John Jones fight was my most anticipated fight of 2023. We did all sorts of prediction 
features, look ahead features for 2023. And every single one of them, I said that Francis Ngannou versus John Jones was the single fight that I was most looking forward to this year because it had so many different historical ramifications, but also it's just one of those fights that you put it up on the poster and it sells itself, right? Like you have Francis Ngannou, a guy who looks great getting off the bus, massive knockout artist fighting a guy who I think many believe to be one of the greatest fighters of all time, if not the single greatest fighter of all time, testing himself in a way that we have been hearing he was going to test himself for over a decade now but not really believing him ever that he would do it and now it was right here it was right here and the fact that we aren't going to get that fight that is supremely disappointing to me this is the this is the Pete carroll seattle seahawks versus the patriots super bowl moment where they're at like the three yard line and it's easy to just run the ball and instead they're going to try to do something tricky and throw the ball and then you know Interception happens, Seahawks fans get let down, Patriots fans celebrate, and I don't know who the Patriots fans are in this equation, I don't know who the Seahawks fans are in these equations, but if you are, I mean, I'm telling you, Sean, if this all is true, and if Dana White's getting up in front of a live microphone saying this, France Ngannou is a free agent. We're not wasting any time here. PFL's already putting out little gifts of Hulk Hogan as in, it, with the NWO <laughs> colors, playing the guitar on the, on the heavyweight title belt. Bellator needs to get on the phone. Like this is not, this is blank check time. And th th this might be like multiple oh, yeah. blank checks. Like pick a card, yeah. any card, pick them all and just write a dollar figure. This, this free agency, this time next week, it should be over, right? Like we're not messing around here. We got to get out, get this man on the phone. The deal should be happening as we speak. Should they not? I mean, I'm sure that people, a lot of people are on the phone right now, or at least trying to find numbers of people to call to get on the phone. Uh, I don't know. I I'd be a little surprised if this happens quickly, though. I mean, it, it seems like Francis was pretty blindsided by this. Everything I'm hearing was he didn't release uh, this, that there were a lot of decisions made quickly tonight, if I could say that. Um, but I mean, man, not since the old days, right? The days of BJ Penn, where have we seen a sitting UFC champion just waltz right out of the UFC with the belt? That is just such a crazy scenario to even contemplate, right? Because for so long, we had all these contractual language, the the matching, the, the champions clause, et cetera, et cetera, that were keeping these guys, these champions locked in. And also just the idea that if you're the champion of the UFC, you're the best in the sport, more or less in that weight division. Where else are you going to go, right? Like where else is going to be some better opportunity, some more money, some better competition, et cetera. Like that just didn't exist for so long. And the fact that not only has this happened now, where we've seen an actual UFC champion just say, hey, you know what? Like, I'm cool, guys. It's not it's not me. It's you. I'm good. Like, I'm going to take my services elsewhere. But to see it happen to a heavyweight, right? Like, that's the marquee division in all of combat sports. The baddest man on the planet. That is a title given to the greatest heavyweight in a given sport, in a combat sport. Like, that is, you, that is it's a different level. It's different if a featherweight comes out here and walks out with the belt. But for Francis Ngannou, the heavyweight champion, who rightful, the rightful heavyweight champion, right? The guy who smoked Stipe Miocic and then just demol like, not demolished, but beat the guy who is about to fight now for this belt, Cyril Gaon, on one leg essentially, uh, with his, with his lesser skills, right? The the wrestling, like he didn't use his bread and butter to win that fight. The fact that he's now the one who's out here now applying his trade on the open market, like this is going to be one of the biggest bidding wars we've ever seen. We said this last year when it came to Nate Diaz, right? That this is going to be one of the most coveted, highly paid free agents we've just ever seen in combat sports, or at least in MMA. 
I think Francis might eclipse that because there, it's, Nate Diaz is one thing, right? Nate Diaz has the fame from the Conor McGregor series, from the Masvidal like shine, like all of these different things that Nate has done. He has made himself a, a genuine mainstream superstar. Francis Ngannou is the best heavyweight in the world. And I cannot say that enough. And he is in his prime right now. Like we have not seen an ounce of decline from Francis Agano at all. Like you could, if you're Bellator, if you're PFL, if you're Ryzen, if you're one championship, if you're Misfits Boxing, if you're MVP Boxing Promotions, whoever it is, you could sign him tomorrow and instantly claim we have the best heavyweight in the world right here, an absolute monster. Go look him up. He's a beast. And you can just market that instantly and people will pay attention and want to see what's going on with it. Like this is, again, just such a crazy set of circumstances. And the, the fact that I, I keep going back to it, but the, the all-time fumbling by the UFC to allow this relationship to fester to the point where this man turned down whatever this, you know, richest contract in UFC heavyweight history, whatever that means, the fact that he was able, he got to a point just within himself of, you know what, like, I don't care what the money is. I'm going to go out there and find some opportunity for myself. And really, it's just all about respect. That's just a, a, it's unprecedented. We just have not seen that in the modern era. And so there's so many different elements to this, right? Like, I, again, I'm sad we couldn't see Ngano jo- uh, Jones. I'm excited to finally see John Jones in heavyweight. And I'm sure we'll talk about that in a bit. This is a man who's been teasing this for so long. But overwhelmingly, it's just the fact that the number one heavyweight in the world is kind of just out there doing whatever he wants now, man. Like if he wants to, if Tyson Fury still wants to do that, Francis Agano can go do that. If Francis Agano just wants to go fight in Ryzen and do some weird circus match, he can go do that. He can do anything he wants now. And that's just a scenario we really have not been able to even contemplate for any type of person of, of Francis stature for really the entire modern era of the OC. MMA is such a weird sport, Sean. And reactions to things like this are always super fascinating to me because I've seen it all. I've seen it all. I've seen everything from, oh, Francis is leaving because he doesn't want to fight John, which is just absolutely ridiculous. I could tell you that for a fact. Of course, yeah. Dana White is saying uh, Francis wants to make more money but fight lesser competition. So that's kind of the middle ground. And then there's the other end, which is like kind of what you're saying, respect to this man for just standing on his own two feet and just telling the UFC to shove it, just kind of taking him along for the ride. And then when it came down to crunch time, he just said, thanks, but no thanks. And just strung him along for a year. They didn't strip him of the title or anything like that. And then he just leaves with the title. Essentially. He's like a lunger blaze in this situation. He could take that title to Bellator and drop it in the trash if he wants to. And it'd be a cool ass moment. So Come like God. Monday, can Tuesday, you Wednesday. Man. I'm, I'm, <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but can you imagine if that happened? Like that's I, I'm not a big wrestling guy. I'm not a big wrestling historian, but I'm pretty sure that was like a WWE WCW storyline, yeah. right? Of someone showing up and, and dropping the belt in the trash can. Like, can you imagine if Francis just showed up on this big Bellator CBS debut? with his oh. UFC heavyweight title and just threw it on the ground and started stomping on it and making a scene like that. That's possible now, man. The fact that that's possible is just, again, mind-blowing to a degree. If you have been around this sport and in this sport and in this space, watching this over the last decade or two, like that is just not a scenario that could even be something we could fathom until very recently. And Francis is the one that pushed this issue, right? Like he's the one who found this contractual clause that was able to, to you know, escape from the champion's clause that no one else really ever could or had the willpower to do. Just crazy. You blew my mind, Mike Heck, right there when you just laid that out because that's absolutely something that can happen now. Oh, man. CBS, imagine network 
television on freaking CBS. First time a CBS MMA event happens. Bellator, get this done. This would be such a massive move for you to get him over there. Holy cow. But it's it's just incredible to think about. So, like, obviously this just happened and people are just giving their initial reactions right now. But say, you know, Monday MMA hour ends, Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever. Uh, by the time we get to Thursday, what do you feel is going to be – like the resounding reaction from the MMA community. Is this going to be, we're blaming the UFC for this. Is it going to be, we're giving Francis all the credit in the world for standing his ground and just saying, F it, I'm out. Or like, what do you think the, what do you think the majority of the MMA community is going to be saying about this after we take a few extra days to digest this all? I mean, come on, Mike, like, you know, you've been in this space for long enough. Like you, you kind of understand the way these narratives get shaped and the, the way that the UFC is able to exert its narrative control over a level of the fan, a certain segment, I would say of the fan base, a vocal segment of the fan base who probably the same segment of the fan base that has been defending Dana White for the past several weeks. Right? Like at some point, I would imagine the resounding narrative from a lot of people will be, well, Francis was afraid. Francis didn't want to fight the best competition, Francis, et cetera, et cetera. Like he's just a, a coward who ran away as if this man didn't just, you know, demolish Stipe, beat Cyril gone on one leg call for like two years for this John Jones fight. And just the entire time, just be basically begging and pleading them to just make this fight. That's obviously ridiculous. That's, that's not, there's no basis in anything. And if you hear somebody say that, you should immediately d just know that, hey, like I can't really, that person's opinion kind of sucks and I should just maybe not listen to them about <laughs> anything else when it comes to the sport, right? Like that's just a bad opinion. And you know, you're gonna, it's gonna become very prevalent over the next week or two, next month or two, as the UFC continues to, you know, do the UFC thing and spin this in the UFC way. And then all of a sudden in March, we're looking at Cyril Gaon versus John Jones. And let's say John Jones looks really good in that fight and wins the heavyweight title. And then all of a sudden there will be a massive campaign of, well, John Jones was the best heavyweight this whole time. Like, let's forget about that massive Cameroonian man who, who was demolishing people before him. Like he's not, let's not worry about that. Um, so yeah, I mean that's how it's going to be spun. But the real, the real like actual way that someone should look at this, right, is immense respect for Francis Ngannou for having the principles to stick to this, right? Especially if all this money was getting flashed in his face, uh, which it seems like you know to some degree it was. Uh, to be able to stick to your principles and really again for self-respect and say you know this is not about money, this is about something bigger, and I want to to make this about something bigger. Like that is a level of. Um, just like I don't, I don't know the word. The word's escaping me at the moment. But to be able to take that leap into the unknown in a way that no UFC champion really ever has, or at least not since the old days of like BJ Penn walking out with the title, right? Like you can have. There is no other answer than to have ultimate, ultimate respect for Francis Ngannou for taking it this far. That being said, I, I can't help myself, Mike. I'm, I'm really disappointed we're not getting this John Jones fight. Like I'm really disappointed we're not getting Francis and Gano versus John Jones. That to me is just so I, I'm not going to keep harping on it, but that was just that was it. That was the money fight. Like that was just the fight for so much legacy, so much everything stakes all of it. It's a bummer that we're not going to get it. And by the time John Jones is finally here making this heavyweight debut, I think the hardest challenge for him would have been Francis, and and that's gone. So it's just I don't know. there's so many layers to it. I'm, I'm getting disappointed and excited as I'm talking in real time. We're, we're all processing this. So we we, we mentioned we, we've used the word chaos a lot this year, and I think another word that kind of rings true, especially after hearing what you just had to say, was is irony. Like there have been a lot of ironic moments that have happened this year. We're not going to mention the Dana thing, but that's obviously one of them. 
it's kind of ironic now, isn't it? Because John Jones, after three years, is about to make his heavyweight debut, waiting for this for so long. He's going to fight for the heavyweight title in his first fight. And in a weird and strange way, he's almost the Daniel Cormier in this situation. After Daniel Cormier, (laughs) right? Like it's so strange to think about because Daniel Cormier would win the belt and he never really got the praise for it because he never beat John. He didn't beat the best guy because John, for whatever reason, wasn't around or he got stripped of the belt or whatever and DC became the champion and whatever. And now the number one heavyweight in the world is gone. It's different reasons, but – if John goes out there and just bolts zero gone, they could be like, oh, John Jones is back, but, but he didn't beat Francis, and maybe it doesn't hold as much weight. It, it's just such a weird year, Sean. It's such a weird year. It's such a weird year. But again, I just I, I know I know that we're gonna start to see a lot of Nate Diaz comparisons in the next couple of days. To me, there is some merit to that, but also these are so vastly different because Nate Diaz is such a short shelf life, shelf, that short shelf life on that, right? Like if you get Nate Diaz, he's way older into his career. I believe he's like 38 years old, something like that. You got, you probably got him for like one or two really good big fights, right? Like you can you can pull off, you know, a couple of boxing fights, maybe an MMA fight here or there. That's only going to last so long. Francis Ngannou was the UFC heavyweight champion this morning. Like, like he he was the rightful. He's the number one heavyweight in the world on our website. On the UFC's rankings, he was the number one website in the world. Maybe still is right now. I don't know how quickly they update that stuff. Uh, on every other website, he is the number one heavyweight in the world. Like this could last if you're Bellator, if you're PFL, and you get Francis right now or one championship or whatever. You can have that guy for the next four or five years of his career. And he could be that person for you for a half decade. Like he, Francis, we we've seen in the heavyweight division the the way that these heavyweight heavyweights age compared to other divisions, right? Like Francis has a lot of time left, and especially, you know, he's not fighting very often. Like he will be able to do this for a bit. Alistair Overeem is still out here, like getting offers from people. Like Francis Ngannou could still be that guy for a very long time. It's just, it's a crazy, crazy set of circumstances that has led us to this moment but oh my god the the opportunity now for other promotions for boxing whatever it's just nuts it's just crazy to think about mike what's crazy to also think about is is by the way i am fascinated by this john jones zero gun fight like if we weren't getting francis like stipe is obviously a big name and that'd be like a really cool fight very nostalgic fight with two of those guys but from a stylistic perspective geez louise i think this fight's a ton of fun and i'm curious to get your thoughts on this because we had opening lines when this thing was kind of a rumor and now that it's announced we have line movement one site as of right now has Cyril gone as a minus 175 favorite, clo- getting closer to minus 200 against John Jones who comes back at plus 145. Are you surprised by this, or is this kind of what, what you expected? No, I don't know that I am surprised, because actually the way that these lines have worked, John came out initially. He was the opening favorite, and that got bet down very, very quickly to now he is, I believe, the underdog, But like you just said. And that makes more sense to me, because... I know he's John Jones, and I think that's ultimately what a lot of people are going to go back to, right? It's like, hey, it's John Jones. Like, this is this is John Jones. Like, that's all you can have to say, right? Like, it is John Jones. He's one of the greatest fighters we've ever seen. But the truth of the matter is, like, John Jones hasn't looked like John Jones for a pretty long time at this point, right? Like, his last two fights at light heavyweight, I think a lot of people think he didn't win either of them. I certainly didn't have him winning the Dominic Reyes fight. That, to me, is one of the biggest robberies in MMA history and just generally one of the biggest 
you know, sliding doors moment in MMA history where it's almost the GSP Johnny Hendricks, where this guy was deprived of this legendary moment of beating this all timer when he really rightfully should have had it. I had John winning the Tiago Santos fight, but he did not look spectacular there either. I mean, if you're barely getting by Tiago Santos, who has no knees and can barely walk at, in, at certain points in those fights, like you're not the John Jones of old. So I can understand people having um, some reservations about how this is going to go for John. I mean, Saragon is very much a natural heavyweight, whereas John had to blow up two heavyweights to reach this point. We've seen John win in the past when he gained a lot of weight uh, after one of his many transgressions and then came back and fought Ovin St. Preux and just generally didn't look very good with all the extra weight, like he looks sluggish. I think it's a very real concern whether that's going to be the case again now. And I, I mean, we've been hearing how big he is for a year, right? Like he was 265 a couple months ago, people were saying. So like he's going to be a very, very big boy in there. How is that going to affect how his, his general skill set and his natural abilities in terms of speed, timing, et cetera, et cetera. Also, he's just been out of the cage for a very long time, ring rust, uh, all of that. I think there, the the Gon matchup to me is an interesting matchup because we just saw Cyril Gon lose because of someone's wrestling, and and I don't know that anyone's going to confuse Francis Ngannou for Daniel Cormier out there anytime I'm soon. Right? Francis Ngannou, <laughs> yeah, like like that is obviously a very big hole in Francis Ngannou's game. John Jones is. For all he is, he is a very good wrestler, so that is a path there for him. So that makes this matchup a little more compelling. And I, I low-key kind of wish they would have gone Curtis Blades or something like that because that, to me, is a much more interesting stylistic matchup. Like, Curtis is a giant man, and I would have loved to see that matchup, but obviously Curtis was never going to get that opportunity from the UFC. Uh, but, I mean, that's that ultimately, like, the way all of this has come about is a bummer in what in another way in that it makes this John Jones moving to heavyweight finally being a reality. Like it makes that news so secondary to everything else, right? Whereas that should be giant news. We've been waiting for this. This dude was saying he's going to move to heavyweight in like 2013, right? Like this has been something on, on just the MMA populace's mind forever. And it feels like we're finally going to see it come to fruition. And it's just like this footnote to this weird night where all these other things are just going on. Uh, that's a bit of a bummer, but either way, yeah, I mean, I, I'm extremely fascinated to see how John Jones is going to perform at heavyweight. Like, this is, again, one of the greatest fighters of all time, and he is actually testing himself in a way that we have not seen John Jones testing himself uh, in, what, five years, six years, seven years? Yeah. Like, it's been a long time since we have seen something like this from John. I'm here for it. Uh, it's just a bummer. It's not against Francis. And a big, uh, a big... A big I'm sorry goes out to the world to uh, to Curtis Blades because a man who, amongst reports for this whole thing, was kind of the on-deck batter in early reports for this. Like if they couldn't do Francis versus John, they were going to do John versus Curtis Blades, some of the initial reports. But now with all this, Francis leaves and it feels like the door opens a little bit more for him. And now he's going to have to fight freaking Sergey Pavlovich. Golly, oh, what, a, what a tough, what a tough draw for for poor Curtis Blades. But see, we'll keep you posted. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But even even like that, like you just mentioning Sergey brings another level of disappointment to me, right? Because Sergey versus Francis, had Sergey won another fight or two, would have just been awesome. Like that would have just been a a ridiculous matchup to hear about. And the heavyweight division right now is more fun than it, at the top, at least, than it has been in ages in forever for so long this was a division 
that was hamstrung by these rivalries that would just take forever, play out over years. We were getting one title fight a year and the contenders really didn't impress like all of this heavyweight right now. You look at the top, it's better than it has been in a long time. And just, it's very fun. There's just a lot of fun stuff going on. And I would have loved to see Francis Ngannou be able to take on that line of challenges that were going to come up. Oh, and especially like the Pavlovich's and et cetera, et cetera. John Jones, all of this. And now it's just, you know, maybe we're seeing Francis fight Ryan Bader uh, in a couple months. Like, this is what we're doing now. But uh, good for Francis. Make your money. Yeah. And I, I hope he makes a ton of it. He's the easiest freaking guy on planet Earth to to market because you don't even he doesn't even have to speak he's very simple to market so uh we'll see what happens i'm sure francis will be who knows maybe he'll be speaking with ariel sometime in the next several days and we get to hear his side of the story because there are two sides to every story we hear dana's side and we've heard from cyril gone and we have not heard from francis and Ghani yet so we'll see what he has to say and the bellator champion series is back in action friday may 17th live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the US. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Man, what a news day. We get this fight, Francis gone, Usman Edwards 3 is official for London. We got freaking Justin Gaethje versus Raphael Fazeev, which is just the best. I'm so can excited. I, can I jump in? Because I, I know Absolutely. we're about to start. I know we're about to start talking about UFC Vegas 456 or whatever this was, but like, I don't want you to gloss over what you just said about Fiziev versus Justin Gaethje, because we've been saying for so long with this lightweight division, for just like begging and pleading for the UFC to do the thing. Just do the thing. UFC, please match one of these up and coming young contenders up against the old guard that's been sort of just fighting each other forever at 155. And it finally happened. They did the thing, Mike. Like this is another thing that's getting lost on this crazy on this crazy day. They did the thing. They did the thing. I can't wait for this fight. This is an amazing fight. Like Happy Vazeev has deserved this opportunity for such a long time. And now he's finally getting it. And hopefully this just opens the floodgates and me is more of an omen of portending more to come of these dudes being forced to fight downward now. Like Michael Chandler needs to fight Armand Sarukian or uh, uh, whoever else coming up, right? A Jalen Turner. Like, let's make these dudes start fighting downwards. And if this is the the sign that that's about what's about to happen, like that is cause for celebration on a level that, like, I don't know. Like, I'm just, I'm, I'm very excited. Uh, that's all I can say. I, I'm running out of steam on that, but I, I'm very, very excited by this announcement. Do the thing. Do the thing. Just do the thing. thing. Just do the thing. They did the thing. They did the thing. Bellator needs to do the thing. They did the thing by re-signing AJ McKee and doing a lightweight Grand Prix. Like everyone's starting to do the thing. It took a while, but everyone's starting to do the thing. And that's all we ask for. We try to keep it simple. So let's talk about UFC Vegas 67. Sean Strickland, short notice, jumps in there with Nasruddin Imovov. And a lot of people, Shaheen, if you listen to the preview show, we're not giving Sean Strickland much of a chance here. They thought Nasruddin Imovov, and I, we're all very high on him. Uh, they thought Imovov would would get the job done, and it, it wouldn't be all that difficult. But 
Strickland is just so tough to fight. He just comes forward. He's just awkward in so many ways. The volume doesn't stop. Three days notice, three months notice, doesn't matter. He doesn't slow down. He doesn't get tired. That volume just keeps on going and keeps on going. And honestly, I actually thought Imovov for a lot of the fight looked pretty good. I thought he moved around a little bit, but I think he just got a little bit frustrated. Like he thought he might've had Strickland's timing at certain points and Strickland would mix it up beautifully and throw him off his game a little bit. Super impressive stuff from Sean Strickland, bouncing back from, from that cannoneer loss and, and coming back. And that was, and it was actually a pretty fun fight. What did you think of Strickland's performance in the first UFC main event of the year? Yeah, what a what a night of conflicting emotions for France MMA, right? Like, geez, one guy gets pushed into such a crazy opportunity, and then the other your other guy is just falling flat like this. Yeah, this this felt like somewhat of a reality check for Nasruddin Imovov, right? Because I think this is someone that we have talked about him, like we have talked about a Hatfield Fazeev to to backtrack a little bit, or a Jalen Turner. Like he is that sort of guy at middleweight, that up and comer that no one should want to fight, that up and comer who it felt like he was inevitable to be in these title conversations. And then he just ran into someone tonight that he just couldn't figure out. Um, Sean Strickland with his pace, forward pressure, and just nonstop in your faceness. Like he was, he had he had Imovov pretty baffled at various points in that fight. He just couldn't figure out how to get past it. And that that really is, I mean, that's the veteran test that we've been waiting to see for, for Nasser Dean. But also, this is a career-saving night in a way for for Sean Strickland. Because if he had lost two in a row, and then especially this one where it's it's someone who is you know not a top-five guy, where's Sean Strickland's career go at that point? Because then he's probably just turning into a, a gatekeeper and he's not thought of as that contender that I think a lot of us still think of as of a mess. So now he's back in that spot. He's back in that title contention mix to be thrown around amongst these top-10 guys. But... Man, pulling it off on, on short notice and outcarding, or, or, I should say outcardioing uh, a guy when you were just called in here last second, like that's pretty impressive, man. Like people may like Sean Strickland, people may not like Sean Strickland. There are a lot of reasons for for both camps to to feel ways they want to feel about this man. But Duke can fight, and he came out here and just had Imovov absolutely flustered and put on one of his better performances in the UFC. And you have to give him credit. Absolutely, and a lot of people are wondering what's the weight difference going to be here. Like how much is the, how much impact will it have on the fight? And we didn't think it would be too too much. We figured it would still be like your typical two middleweights fighting at two hundred five because of the short notice nature of it. But Strickland weighs in ten pounds more. It didn't seem like when they were facing off it was that much of a difference. But man, in this fight, especially rounds three, four, and five, when Strickland was clinching up and putting up against the fence, like Imovov had to work his ass off just to get any sort of separation. And then in rounds four and five, he had to do it pretty much the entirety of both of those rounds. And any chance he had, anytime he got any offense going, Strickland just tied him up and put him against the fence and made him work a little bit harder. So to me, the weight difference, I don't know if it's like the biggest, most impactful thing that happened in this fight, but down the stretch where Strickland just needed to hang on and win those rounds, it was a huge thing, at least in my eyes. What did you think? Did you think it made, made a big impact on this one? No, absolutely. I, I think you totally just nailed it right there, Mike. And uh, cr- again, credit to Sean. He, he He's a smart fighter out there sometimes with what he's doing. Like, I don't know that walk, marching forward with your chin up in the air against Alex Pereira and choosing to throw hands with him, I wouldn't call that a smart decision. But, <laughs> but, but, but then he goes out here on a night like tonight and really flusters, again, someone who I think we're all, we were all very high on. So you have to give him credit, especially to be able to do something like this on such short notice, right? Like, this was a couple days. And for him to be able to come in here in a couple days – 
also, I mean, for Imovov to, to try to plan for Sean Strickland, who is a very awkward fighter and a very unusual style. It is, it is not easy style to replicate. For him to have to do that and switch up on such short notice, that's a tough ask for anybody. But man, I mean, again, all the credit in the world to Sean Strickland. Like, he needed this performance bad, 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 bad for his career. And he, he got exactly what he needed. So all's right in the world for him now. Great win. Bonuses for tonight. No fight of the night. Um, all performance bonuses. Alan Nascimento, who got the first submission of 2023. He'll be a trivia question uh, in, in for the years to come. Uh, Roman Kopulov, who now I can't unsee it. Everyone said he's just a more jacked up version of Chase Hooper. And now I just <laughs> cannot stop thinking about it. Uh, he looks fantastic. It's Puna Soriano. He gets a bonus. Umar Magomedov, who I'm sure we're going to talk about. Of course, he got a bonus, but I do want to talk about Mr. 50K himself, Dan Ige, who was in a, a very interesting spot. Damon Action Jackson, four-fight win streak, getting this big opportunity to fight a ranked guy. Ige coming in, just fighting a murderer's row over the last few years, coming off three straight losses, including that last one against uh, against uh, of Loyev, who is probably going to fight for the featherweight title in the next two to three years max. This guy's an absolute killer. And Ige needed this one. He needed this one bad, and he looked fantastic. And then he just bolts Damon Jackson with that beautiful left hook. Props to Dan Ige, man. And you could see the emotion just pour off of him when he was talking to Paul Felder. But Dan Ige back in the win column and people who forgot about this, man, he just reminded you that dude is full of fireworks and thunder, especially in that left hand. What did you think of 50K tonight? You got me. You got me so excited, Mike. I, you, I thought it was Umar time. I thought we were about to move on to Umar, and I got really, really stoked for it. We're on deck. Uh, it's on deck. Yeah, I promise. I know it's coming. We'll, we'll, we'll get to there. Uh, yeah, man. Talk about saving your career, and, and again, uh, a win you desperately needed. Dan Ige was in the exact same spot, probably in a lot worse spot than Sean Strickland was coming into tonight. And he really he salvaged it the best he possibly could, right? Because Dan Ige, for, all, for I know he lost three in a row, but like you look at the level of competition that this guy has been put up against in the UFC over the past couple of years, ever since he really became someone that I think a lot of people considered a contender. Just look at these last, like, I don't even know, seven, eight opponents. Mursad Bektik, Edson Barboza, Calvin Cater, Chan Sung Jung, Josh Emmett, Josh Emmett, Movsar Evloyev, and then Damon Jackson, who was on a very nice streak before for, for tonight. Like, that's a murderer's role, Mike. That's a crazy level of competition to be up against every single time out. So he had been struggling with it, sure, but he is still someone who is, uh, I, I wouldn't say he's a title contender by any means in this division, but he is not an easy out for anybody. And, it, and it, again, it's so cool when you can see um, the humanity in the, in the game sometimes. Right. And I think his post-fight interview in particular was a good example of that. Just him speaking about how difficult this is when you identify yourself with your job, with your, with your career and you're a winner, you're this guy, you're a winner. That's who you are. And then all of a sudden he just can't seem to find it anymore. And the, the tricks that will play on somebody's mind. He talked about that and it, it's, it's a very real thing, man. And, and for him to be able to come out here and really perform in a make or break back against the wall type of type of moment, all the all the credit to him. It was it was one of the best performances he's had in a long time, and he looks spectacular out there. And Eric Nixick continues just get get it done for these guys. He went one and two in the main event in the co-main with with Sean Strickland uh, and Danny Ige as well. So they're doing big things still out there at Extreme Couture, and Danny Ige gets it done. He went one two three actually because Puna Soriano too. Well, Puna lost, but 
yeah, Roman I was, I was trying yeah. not to. I was trying not to mention yeah, that. Yeah, I know. But hey, Roman Kopulov got the job done. So uh, speaking of spectacular, I think there's a new spelling for the word spectacular, Sean, and I'll let you wax poetically. I think it's now spelled U M A R. Let's go, Mike. Go. Let's go. Get after I mean, it. I want to hear from you too, because I mean, look, I'm 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 not gonna hide it i'm very very excited about umar nurmagomedov the, the fact that they're making nurmagomedovs now who have hands like this like that is that is a scary scary proposition right like this is ridiculous uh this is not what we have seen from this gentleman very often in his ufc run he has been submitting people left and right and really confounding people on the ground but that combination that he ended that fight tonight with was gorgeous like i don't know if we'll be talking about that 12 months from now when it comes to knockout of the year candidates probably not maybe it'll make a short list of honorable mentions but that was spectacular and it seemed to even surprise umar and it feels like we had been waiting for this moment for him to i don't i don't want to say get tested against a a, a top contender because i don't think that's what what tonight was but only barcelos is no one's easy mark like no one is going to be dispatching barcelos in that way for a for a while to come and that looks pretty easy for Umar. Like I would feel comfortable, comfortable now, confident throwing him against any top ten guy in this in this bantamweight division, and just seeing how things work out. And I would pick him to beat a lot of those guys right now. Like this, I this to me feels like someone who, if not, will absolutely be fighting for a title. Like I think he will, but might just be a future champion and waiting right now. Like the the Numerga Madoff. Uh, story. The fact that the Nurmagomedov story is not even close to done yet, uh, just generally on this name and this legacy, include Islam in, in that as well, if you want to, is just crazy to me. And this newest iteration is extraordinarily exciting. How could you watch that, Mike, and not get excited, right? So to, uh, let me just break down the fourth wall here. As you were talking, I am literally watching a slow motion of the finish over and over again it's gorgeous it is gorgeous it's gorgeous but it also like doesn't make any sense it's just so strange how it happens like he lands the left kick and before his foot even hits the ground he's just like bink with the left hand and then he just falls to the ground and then umar lance is just vicious murderous hammer fist and then right when he's about to throw it again he decides you know what i'm just gonna cradle your head because I just feel so bad for what I just did. Like it was just a magical, emotional roller coaster of a finish. And I really hope this one doesn't get forgotten when it comes to the year end awards, because just so much happened in that like six second stretch that I just respect the hell out of just everything from the strikes to the vicious hammer fist. Cause the referee just didn't get in there in time to just cradling his head afterwards. I mean, just just gives me chills. Like I've literally watched it 15 times in a row and it's just, I still don't get it. I still don't understand it and how he did that with such power, like how that little left hand without his foot even being on the ground just knocked him dead like that. It's just crazy to think about. This guy is a problem. I can't wait for on to the next one tomorrow because I have a matchup that people are going to think I'm, I'm absolutely insane to throw out into the universe. But I'm telling you, I feel very confident that this fight will come will come together. And hold I actually on. hold on. You can't just throw that out there with a tease like that. Give us a little taste. Give us a little slice. Give us a little his hint. name. All right. His name starts with an M and it ends in Rob DeWallish Willie. Let's go. Ooh. There you go. That's the one. 
because book the fight, Mike Heck. Let's unlike, go. I, for I, it's weird because it almost spoils an interview that I did with Ricky Simone because I felt like that was the fight. Like they were just gonna do Ricky and Marab the rematch because the story was there and we see like what the matchmaking looks like right now. A lot of the young, hungry whippersnappers, unlike lightweight, are getting their shots at some of these bigger names who are at the top of this division. We're seeing it with Adrian Yanez and Rob Font and some of these other guys. Like there's just nobody else available for Simone or anybody else. And that one makes sense. But I just feel like Umar just in whatever way he did that finish, which still doesn't make sense as I'm still watching it in slow motion. I can see you. Uh, I can see you watching over. I can't take my eyes off of it, but I think he's going to get the big fight. And those are two guys that nobody else wants to get in there and fight. Like no one's going to be like, Oh, I'm happy to fight Marab. Ooh, Umar and Amaga Madoff. Yes. Sign me up. Give me a pen. None of that's going to happen. So I just think they're just going to chuck those two dudes in there together. Uh, Maybe March 4th. Who knows? It was hilarious tonight when he called for March, right? Like, hey, I want to get back in here really soon. I need March. I don't see many volunteers out there at 135 just jumping on that opportunity to go fight this guy in a couple of months. Like, that's that's going to be met with resounding crickets. But I am way here for the Marab matchup because Marab's kind of just existing right now in this division, right? Like, he's not going to fight for the title as long as Aljo's that guy. He's just sort of clogging it up if he's going to – that's the space he's going to take – why not just throw a guy like Umar against him? Like, I think that's fantastic. I, I don't think that's too much too soon at this point. I've seen, I needed going into tonight. I needed to be sold a little bit more. I needed to see a little bit more and be convinced that this is someone who's ready. Again, I don't think anybody's doing anything like that to Honey Barcelos again, anytime soon. I am, I am sold now. I, I, I think he's ready. I think you can throw him in there against the Marab and he will, uh, at, uh, you know, he will, he will meet the moment. Uh, I'm here for it. I like that, Mike. You're pretty good at this matchmaking thing. Maybe you should do a show about it. That's pretty good. I, yeah, I think I'll call I'll call my best friend AK. And maybe I think he's got some good ideas too. So, um, and spoiler alert when it comes to Umar, uh, stay tuned for the next MMA fighting ranking show because I have a feeling Jed Mashu will probably have Umar number one or number two. So get ready for that. Uh, good win for Raquel Pennington. Split decision, super close fight. No robbery there. Uh We'll see what happens. I have an interesting idea. Maybe she gets a title shot. Maybe she doesn't. Uh, <laughs> Javid Bashara. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I see a comment on, on here basically saying, Rob, uh, you should get punished for what he did to Jose Aldo, and this is the punishment. And I'm, That's probably – I, I, I can't disagree. Let's say that. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, Javid Bashara, that's another guy who we got to keep an eye on at 135. He looked spectacular. He looked against Mateus Mendonca, who's a really good fighter. So Javid Basharat called out Chris Gutierrez. I love that fight. Sign me the hell up for that. Abdul Razak Al-Hassan just out there, just popping, like wrestling D1. Abdul Razak Al-Hassan made an appearance, and then he was like, that was not as fun as I thought it was going to be, so I'm just going to start chucking bombs again and knocks out Claudio Ribeiro. Uh, Matush Rebecki is just... That dude is a tank. Uh, props to Nick Fiore, New Englander, just hanging in there, just trying to tough it out, but he was just fighting a beast. Uh, Alain Nascimento, we mentioned. Daniel Argetta gets a win, and then Charles Johnson kicks off 2023 with the first victory and the first finish of the year. Finishing Jimmy Flick, the comeback story, uh, takes a bit of a sad turn, but we'll see how Jimmy Flick bounces back. So that's UFC Vegas 76. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch 
against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, let's take a couple questions from the peeps because there's a lot to unpack. I'm exhausted after just running this down, which for, for those who aren't aware, this is probably the third time we ran down some of this stuff. But <laughs> let's, do, let's, let's do it one more time. Let's do, I, I, I like it. It felt good. This is, this is all a dry run. Let's do it for real. Uh, yeah, but this, yeah, is the, this is the best one, though. This yeah, is the I'm going to press record now. All right, here we go, guys. Um, all right, three. <laughs> real, real quick before we get to fan questions, because I, I don't think anybody's going to ask about this because it's thoroughly the most uninteresting division in all of MMA, and it's not even close. Uh. You, I know you, you, you rep it and you defend it, Casey. So I get I, it. I don't do, no, the rest I, of us feel like it's uninteresting. Uh, does Raquel Pennington now basically have to get this Amanda Nunes title shot, right? Because it's between her and Arena Aldana, right? Like those are now at this point with Ketlin Vieira out of the equation. Pena those are the two people. But does, does but do people want to see the Pena trilogy yet? Like, does, a, does anyone want to see any? Any, Does people want to see anything? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, we want to see her fight Valentina Shevchenko. That's what we want to see. But look, I, I'll, I'll, I'll I would just do give it away. I would do Aldona. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll just give I, it away. I, the fight to make is Raquel Pennington versus Juliana Pena. That is a legit number one contender fight. Those two have history, both being on the same season of the Ultimate Fighter. Raquel Pennington, just go back and listen to any time she's asked about Juliana Pena. They are not friends, they are not buddies. She has nothing nice to say about Juliana Pena. So just do that fight. And if Juliana wins, she gets her trilogy fight. And if Raquel Pennington wins, she gets her title fight. And if Amanda wants to go fight Arini Aldana, cool. If she wants to go up to 145 and not cut weight and just truck over Norma Dubon, sure. If she wants to fight Valentina Shevchenko, woohoo, that's what we want. But Amanda can just fight anybody at this point. And it's just it's just Amanda. We Amanda just doing Amanda things. Just see yeah. what fight. I Nunez Nunez Aldana is the fight I want to see, but um, I don't I don't think anyone really has like they've earned it, you know, or they deserve it the most. It's just throw someone in there, and let's see what happens. And um, I'm glad we yeah. got a, a, a I'm glad we got a decent fight um, from the lady 35ers, and you know, hope. I'm I'm I glad just, we got a fight. A it's, fight. It's been fight. a really long time since we had a women's bantamweight fight in the UFC. I think Jed's been on this. I think it's like <laughs> September or October since the it was last like 85 days or something. Yeah, a long it was time, almost an three outrageous months. amount of time and, since we had had. And think about it. There were two top five ranked fighters, and they fought behind Soriano and Russian Chase Hooper. I'm like, I'm not, I forgot his name. I mean, and those guys are like top. 30 i don't know it's, and there were two top five fighters and they're still behind but them i mean in the car this it's, is that's this just is, how you see and just 
fans just think of the ladies 35 division right now and that's just well, it, unfortunate it's, it's really a perfect embodiment of how i think the pulse of 135 is just yeah. generally within the, within the space right because i'll be honest it took me a good minute and a half after raquel won to remember that she had already fought amanda noon's like a is like five years ago like i'd actually forgotten that that fight happened like that's the state of this division right now it is just so uninteresting and i wish it could be interesting and i wish that the talent was there coming up like it is at 115 and 125 where you have so many great prospects coming up at flyweight and strawweight right like it's just so many interesting things could happen in those divisions and then 35 is like the same cast of characters over and over and over and over again except it's not even over and over again because they don't actually have fights anymore like it's just like three fights a year for this division so yeah 35 is so crazy because it was the premier division and i would honestly honestly say worldwide 35 is a worse division than 45 they should just combine them they really yeah just don't yeah yeah okay which which would actually have no effect you would get norma dumont in there and that would be the extent of the combination that's all that's all you got i like it all right i like it (laughs) Good on Raquel, man. Five wins in a row. Good on her. And she's fought some pretty legit competition. So, but my heart, my heart definitely, as you have a question, my heart broke for Ketlin Vieira the same way it kind of broke for Marina Rodriguez because both of them had solid arguments to fight for the title, like two wins prior, and neither of them got title shots. And neither of them probably won't have one now. I scored tonight for her. And yeah, you're right. She's going to have to win like seven fights in a row now to win to yep. get this back. Um, by the way, gentlemen, uh, the UFC doesn't have a champion at heavyweight or light heavyweight currently as we speak. What a world. That's what that's what that? we're doing. That's what we're doing in 2023. Wow. Yeah. And, and we don't have her- we don't have a straight undisputed champion at 125 yet. I mean, Davison's the champion, but Moreno's the interim champion, so that that title isn't even unified yet. And who knows with that rivalry, 35. what the hell will happen there? And men's so, yeah, thirty-five, actually, let, let's men's take 35 this, is going to be interim belt pretty soon, right? Well, Maybe. let's just take this a step further. the The three heaviest champions in the UFC are no one, no one, and Alex freaking Pereira, <laughs> who this time last year had his best win was again. I forget this man's name is was over a Greek fella that I can't remember his name. Andreas Mikolaitis. There you go. That was his best win this time last year. That's the state of the UFC champion divisions in the heavyweight in the heaviest classes in the sport right now. Uh, and Leon Edwards is the welterweight champion after like a, a hail mary. I mean, not a hail mary, but just it's one of the craziest moments in UFC history. Uh, yeah, I mean, what, we, what time to be alive? We should just make Alex Pereira the honorary heavyweight champion, and Leon Edwards is the honorary light heavyweight champion right now because they're the heaviest and light and the second heaviest. So like that's how it goes, right? And in less minute, than a month from right yeah. now. Islam Makachev's fighting the featherweight champion Alexander Volkanovsky for a battle of pound for pound supremacy. I mean, this is just this is such a chaotic year, and we're gonna get the return of John Jones like less than a month after that. Wild, baddest man on the planet. Hey, Alex Pereira. John Jones has not Love walked it. into the cage yet. John, so I remember what you said what you said Mike about is John Jones really fighting? It? You're not gonna believe it till you see him walk into that cage. So. Don't get too don't get I, too excited. I'm still at a seven. I'm still at a seven, even though there's a fight in a in a billboard that was produced too early. Uh, I'm still at a seven because I'm still there. I have to see him make the walk. I have to see him in a press conference. And at the end of the year, we have to remember this, dude. Like how maybe, who knows? 
if this is the biggest story of the year because it seems like an incredibly big story. But it's it, broken it by bro- a billboard. It <laughs> broken by a billboard. Broken by a freaking intern at T-Mobile Arena who went, "Hey, look at this. Uh, well, I, I just, just put it up there. Cool." <laughs> you know hey thank you to that intern um yeah, I, I've, if, if 2023 has taught me anything it's that there's no consequences for your actions so that intern gets to live the rest of his life with the and knowledge shame. that he messed up and live in shame <laughs> and that should be good enough let's keep let's let this man keep his job I mean, there's no punishment that needs to be given to that man i mean he's living with his shame did dana say when they were planning to announce this in the in, in his in his scrum tonight because it was leaked, so I mean, what was this even leaked? Leaked. <laughs> well, let's talk about that. Yeah. What, uh, yeah. I just. Oops. Uh, okay. Is there is there a chance the sudden Ghana news and Jones gone leak is a move to deflect attention from the New Year's incident? A textbook wag the dog case on the UFC's return with Dana at the presser. No, I don't know. No. I don't think so. Like if they were trying to do that, because because one of the first things I thought of when we did like reactions to all this is that tomorrow they're going to announce Jones and Gano just to like take our attention elsewhere, and that didn't happen. So I don't think it's that. I just yeah, I because again, like I even titled "Heck of a Morning" yesterday as uh, "What in the World is Going to Headline UFC 285?" We're less than two months away. They had to do something, and both targeted title fights are gone so they need to do something like in gano jones probably wasn't going to happen march 4th doesn't look like aljamain sterling henry cejudo is going to happen march 4th so now you're less than two months away with nothing and you got to sell tickets and you got to sell pay-per-views which by the way that's the first of two pay-per-views for the month of march so it's gonna be tough if you don't have anything there so yeah i just think it was kind of they were getting to desperation mode and they had to make something happen more than anything and I think they probably thought Ngana was a go, and now he's gone. Crazy. One thing I thought was super interesting from the Dana White scrum was he admitted that these other promoters were going to pay him more money, didn't he? He said, yeah, he'll get more money and fight lesser competition. So he's not even like – he basically admitted, yeah, we, we're not going to pay him the most money just because we're the biggest organization. I thought, I thought that was weird. I guess is it though at this point I know right? I know like, yeah I, I know it's just like we just, all we all get it like we all understand what this was and what this has been like it's none of this fight, is surprising fight for the right? UFC for less money but you get you know free backpack and some cool shoes you get some Reebok gear no no I'm yeah. sorry you get Venom gear you get some Venom gear and some huh? rock shoes yeah whatever if you need to know if you need to know how how the business structure works, just look no further than when it got to the point where uh, Dana was asked whether or not Cyril Ghan got the same kind of money. <laughs> and he likes Scott. Yeah. Yeah, he are. goes, no, no, no. This is, it gets better because he goes, because he goes, no, Cyril's going to deal with us. Like Francis didn't. And they're like, well, what's John going to do? He goes, oh, we just signed him to a new eight-fight contract. I was like, what? Cyril doesn't get a new contract to take this fight, but John Jones gets a new eight-fight deal? It was hilarious to go from Cyril- that, it's the scoffing, and then, oh, no, John's getting a new eight-fight contract. He's, he's good. Not even scoffing, but like – Kind of almost being genuinely perplexed by the question, like they're like the <laughs> foundation insult, of almost, the almost insulted. <laughs> yeah, like how could you ask such a stupid question? 
Because we all know that if Francis and gone, or I'm not Francis and I can bind the two men. We all know that if Cyril gone had said no, that that billboard would have been saying Curtis Blades fighting John Jones. <laughs> like Sergey Pavlovich, commit Derek Lewis up there. Who knows? That's Marcin true. They Tro- would, John they Jones versus Marcin Tobur. I don't care. <laughs> Hilarious. <sighs> um. All right. What a mess. Is Francis the biggest free agent in MMA history, Shaheen Al Shadi? To me, yes. To me, yes, he is. Uh, and and I think you can. This can be looked at a couple different ways, right? Because ultimately, it will be between him and Nate, just in terms of like the biggest bang for your buck that you can get on the open market. Nate's probably not even probably. Nate is the more famous man, right? Like he is mainstream people know Nate. Uh, I think any anywhere Nate signs in, in books of fight, I'm going to be getting texts about it from my non MMA friends and my non MMA family members call, asking me like, "Hey, what's going on with this Nate Diaz thing?" I don't know that Francis extends that far outside of the bubble, but ultimately. Francis is the biggest free agent in my mind in MMA history, just from a competitive standpoint, where this is, again, I'm not going to rehash everything we said earlier, but like the number one heavyweight in the damn world, the the best guy in the number one weight class for like the marquee in the entire world, who, by the way, isn't some wrestler or isn't some like boring point fighter. Like he's someone who's going to go out there and try to destroy your soul, like rip your soul straight out of your body. He's now out there on the open market, and he's, again, gotten like a good four or five years of just being that guy. That, to me, is unprecedented. That That's crazy. That That's a real thing. Yeah, it's just – I guess kind of credit to the – for as much crap as we gave the UFC PR or whatever for the whole slapping thing. But way to get ahead of the narrative – on this, they could, they, they can, Dana, they've controlled the storyline now. Now it's up to Bellator, up to PFL, up to Jake Paul, up to Francis himself to now change the narrative. Dana set the tone, and that's what dude, they're very good at, dude. If I am Jake Paul, or I'm Nikisa, or I'm KSI, or any of these dudes running these circus, circus boxing promotions, I am offering Francis Ngannou as much money as he possibly ever could want to just go in there and fight dudes that look like E-Honda from Street Fighter. Like I am just lining him up to to do the most absurd circus fights ever. Like I am, I remember KSI did that two fights, one night crap last year. I'm doing like a four fights, one night for Francis Ngannou and I'm just shoveling people in there for him to knock out. Like there are so many ways if you're creative, which there's a very gigantic lack of creativity in the MMA space when it comes to promotions. But if you're creative, there are so many cool things you can do with the best heavyweight in the world. Like that's, I'm going to stop saying crazy because I've said crazy a lot in this, in the stream, but it's just very interesting that that is now a possibility. Fight circus, fight circus. Let's go. You don't even need to go fight circus for years. K one in Japan had these Rising, gigantic, yeah. gigantic tournaments and were like their best fighters fought multiple times a night. You know, when Eddie Alvarez was in the lightweight tournament for Dream, um, he had to fight multiple times in the same night. This happens. I mean, this is possible. We can do this. And um, uh, if all the all the chaos in the first what half month of this year, there's oh yeah, the first like 14, ten days. Yeah, yeah, we're only fourteen <laughs> days into this year, and like it's just oh my god. This is insane. All right. Uh, <laughs> what else we got here? Oh, uh, man. Um, 
we're we're 14 days into 2023 and like you know how sometimes people write these year-end lists of like hey the top five stories of 2022 like that type of thing like you could write a top five stories of 2023 that would be pretty substantial and like all of those stories would be pretty like you know like hey yeah that deserves to be on that list here's an interesting question so crazy uh, would PFL signing Francis Ngannou and Jake Paul within a few weeks of one another make them the second biggest promotion in the world? Would you be willing to make that yes. to stake that claim, Gene? Yes. Absolutely, yes, unequivocally. Because at that point, you have the number one heavyweight in the world. That's it. You have the number one heavyweight in the world, and you have also a dude in Jake Paul that obviously people are interested in doing in watching whatever he's doing. Like that's it. That's it. That's it. that far exceeds anything Bellator would have at that point. I, I want to say yes. Um, I will have to see PFL's first show with them because something will have to greatly improve as far as like their presentation for a big event. I mean, uh, Bellator for all their issues, when they do have big events, they have the big stage, the big lights, you know, the big graphics and stuff. I never, and that's my, kind of been my issue of PFL, I've never felt fights have been big with PFL. If they get Francis, they get Jake Paul, which they do, they do have Jake Paul. We just don't have a date or anything. Um, something needs to change with the show itself to feel not like a PFL show. It needs to feel like a like a big event. And I don't know. Maybe that, that's just me. I don't know if you get that impression when you watch PFL that it just doesn't feel big. I'll tell you what. If it, it Just an idea that occurred to me. Um, if I'm Nate Diaz right now, and maybe this is silly and toss this back. Tell me, if, shoot this down if it's stupid. <laughs> if I'm Nate Diaz right now, I'm calling Francis Ngannou and I am trying to make us a package deal where wherever you get one of us, you're getting both of us. Because it, the idea of getting both Nate Diaz and Francis Ngannou under whatever type of roof, whether it's a PFL, a Bellator, a boxing show, whatever, that will make an obscene amount of money for whoever is doing it and those dudes will make an obscene amount of money off of it and i'm i'm if i'm nate i'm getting francis the phone i'm saying hey we're doing this together let's get make it so that we get all the pay-per-view revenue we get you know multi-million dollar paychecks etc etc we're going to find some financiers like this is going to be a thing because if if the two of them did something together it would be seismic it would be seismic. The the report the, the amount of coverage that would get would be utterly insane because they're the two dudes who beat the system, right? Like, they, they, like we have never seen anybody beat the system. And now there's two of them, and both of them know how to speak. Like both of them know how to mm-hmm. are t- properly like tell their own story themselves, and they could do such an excellent job in the lead up. Like maybe this is a stupid idea. And again, I'm just tossing this out there, but I think I, I think that could be magic. It's a great idea. Real like on Instagram in the next three days, I need to see Francis and Ganu's family members sitting around the dinner table wearing real fight ink t-shirts. That's what I need to see. Dude, and yes, that would be tremendous. That's a great idea. I that, that's I didn't even think about it in that way. You know, Francis doesn't know. resign with any of the promotions. He signs with Nate with real fight ink, and then they they package each other out. That's great. Yeah. Do it. Showtime and Scott Coker need to get together tomorrow morning and they got to really figure something out because they have that show tomorrow morning tomorrow morning right now tonight Tonight. coker better be on a flight to cameroon right now if we're being honest like because they had that show on cbs showing cbs and they have fedor versus bader no matter what happens no matter what happens in that final fight it'll be fedor's final fight they need to have some sort of something has to have 
if if anything happens with Francis, it needs to happen right then, right there, national TV. I don't know. It's just it's right there. That's Sean. What you said right there is this a stupid idea? Whatever you, uh, your idea, but you know what? We're only fourteen days in this year. Nothing is stupid right now. Everything's on the table. There's no stupid ideas. Right now. <laughs> oh. I love that idea. Uh, let me see what else we got. Man, just cut me the off. Ideas, of fellas. If, if if you guys, if you two end up doing that, cut me off a percentage, please. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just give him one percent, and I think Shaheen oh, yeah. will be I'm will be set. Thrilled, <laughs> thrilled. Baby, my 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 little boy, my baby boy is gonna get some new clothes if that happens. Yeah, he's going to Harvard, baby. Let's go. Hey, let's go. Uh, <laughs> I mean, with each question, our like our idea tanks are just getting bigger, and <laughs> this is no too crazy, but I, I like where this gentleman's going. <laughs> Any chance in hell Bellator scraps their Fedor plans, makes a move for Ngannou and books Fedor versus Ngannou murder <laughs> from Fedor's retirement. Damn. I send that back. I send it back. No, thank you. I want no part of this. <laughs> we're thinking outside the box, though. I like it. I like what we're going. Hey, I mean, this is an idea session, right? <laughs> I mean, that's. I mean, if we're being honest, that is a far bigger fight than Fader versus Bader. I mean, ginormously bigger. <laughs> and let's never speak of it again. Yeah, <laughs> never speak of it again. But <laughs> uh. it's MMA. The silliest outcome is always on the table. Yes, this year. Are you kidding me? Yeah. We just got a fight broken by a billboard. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Ryan Bader could be walking to the cage February 4th and Francis wearing a, a luchador mask could just like DDT him on the floor and with the UFC belt on around his waist and then walk in and fight Fedor, cash in his briefcase and get that fight. We're turning this. We're going full circus with all of this. I love <laughs> it. The Bellator finally does the, the, the mask reveal again. <laughs> Oh my God, that's Francis again. <laughs> I just keep revisiting what you said at the beginning of this show, Mike, of Francis showing up, showing up wherever he shows up with that UFC title and just chucking it right into the trash. God, can you imagine the scenes of that, man? I have to see uh, it now. Anything less would be disappointing now, now that it's out there in the universe. I want him to have 50 versions of that belt so that everywhere he goes, <laughs> he does that. Like, I just want to see that be his introduction everywhere so that it's a constant reminder. Because this is something that, again, will be washed away very quickly if, if people allow it to. And if Francis in particular allows, allows it to of a year from now, it could be this narrative of like, ah, he wasn't ever really that good anyway. It's like, no, I left as the best. And if I'm him, I'm just perpetuating that for him. Oh, that's awesome. He just shows up like he's throwing the first pitch at a Cubs game and he just brings the belt. <laughs> <laughs> no. They didn't think they'd make a fake dynamite. Like, <laughs> and this is this right here is why the Champions Clause existed for so long. <laughs> like this exact thing. <laughs> oh, God. It's the most, I mean, it's the fourth time we've done this show, but it's so much more fun this time. Uh, do we have anything else? I mean, I don't know uh, what else. No, I, mean, we can't, just, I don't think we could talk just, anything we're, we've done here. Yeah, we're just getting ridiculous ideas. Hell, you man. Know. He, he can just – he can do everything, right? He can go on WWE. He could go boxing. He could go MMA. He could go kickboxing. Like the, the world is his oyster right now in a way that is just hard to fathom, frankly. 
if there's any belt makers out there, reach out to France's people and just make a whole bunch of UFC belts just so we can have and bring them everywhere and chuck them in every trash bag around the world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I think we're done. Um, I think we're right? Yeah. I mean, what else yeah, can we say? We're good. We're good. All right, you can hit see fights tonight, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, we 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 gave him more time than I thought we were going yeah. to. For being honest, no no disrespect, but I mean, when we have a night like this with all this news, the best heavyweight in the world's a free agent, the greatest fighter of all time in most people's minds is officially coming back to fight Cyril Gaon. Rafael Faziv is fighting Justin Gaethje. I mean, holy crap! And then we're definitely getting, despite all the the worries about the the brace on Kamaru Usman's hand. We're getting the fight we're supposed to get for London, the right fight, Leon Edwards versus Kamaru Usman 3. So, yeah, chaotic day. And there were UFC fights. Oh, man. I feel like I need a shower. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. But thank you for watching. We appreciate that. Thank you for listening if it's after the fact. And uh, AK and I are going to do some matchmaking tomorrow. Uh, we might even have our own little Francis Ngannou segment on the program because he's out of the UFC pool. So we're not going to be able to match big for him anymore. So it's going to be a, an interesting edition of Otno. And if I don't if I don't hear any Honda reference on that, I will be very upset. <laughs> I mean, I could never take that from you. That's that's <laughs> yours. You trademarked that. You're all good. Uh, but thank you very much. Uh, next week, it's UFC 283 in Brazil. We got two title fights and all the normal stuff coming up. So get some sleep, take a, you know, relax a little bit. And then the chaos is just going to brew right back up sooner rather than later. But thank you for watching. For Casey, for Shaheen, I am Mike Heck. Good night, everybody. Marab versus Umar. Let's do this. (laughs) Let's go. Uh, Happy birthday, AK. Francis versus Poodzilla and KSW. Yes, come on. (laughs) You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.